1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. In contrast to the false teachers which are marring the life of the church and who are motivated by the spirit of Antichrist, John tells the believers that they are of God and that they have overcome, they have defeated the false teachers. Because they confess Jesus Christ come in the flesh, the eternal God made man. And because they believe that he died in the sinner's place, and because they believe all the necessarily related doctrines concerning the person of Christ and his work, such as the virgin birth, and the resurrection. And because each one trusts personally in Christ for salvation, they are God's own children. And therefore they are victors over those who deny Christ's saving work. They have not allowed the false teachers who call themselves Christians, to deceive them. But they have triumphed over them with the truth. To believe the true gospel according to the scriptures is to defeat the forces of Satan, who is always trying to undermine Christian truth. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Those who by God's grace have overcome the false teachers have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. The Holy Spirit is infinitely more powerful than the Satan-inspired spirit which prevails amongst the majority of men. So we learn here that Christians need not be deceived by the false prophets, which are always at work in the world. John refers to the devil here as he that is in the world. And then, of course, by implication, that also means all those in allegiance with the devil. He that is in the world... Every non-believer 
belongs to the world and is doing the devil's bidding. But the devil is he that is in the world. This is his domain down here. The whole environment in which we live, he's called by the Apostle Paul the prince of the power of the air. This is his realm down here. We as believers in Jesus Christ are not of this world. We have been called out of this world. Satan is the prince of this world. Because he holds the great majority of people in his sway. Now many of them do not realise that. But they are blinded by him. However, they are still guilty. Because it is perfectly possible to break free from the satanic deception under which most people labour by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil is powerless to stop anyone becoming a true Christian. He cannot do that. However, most unwittingly allow themselves to be overcome by Satan's wiles, who works in men a pride in their hearts. They are proud of their rejection of God. They are proud of their human wisdom. They rejoice in rejecting the revelation of God in his word. It is not for man, however, to impose his own wisdom upon what God has made known. Yet that is what man is always doing, and he is doing it right now in our time. When men elevate their own philosophies above the word of God, they are doing Exactly what Satan wants. And our own nation is in subservience to the God of this world. We cannot even have a New Year's Eve celebration without the promotion of the LGBT movement. That's where we are at in modern Britain. God, however, will always bring to naught the so-called wisdom of man. Those possessing the Holy Spirit through their faith in Jesus Christ have an invincible supremacy over all non-believers and over the spirit of Antichrist that is within the non-believers. So we should not be intimidated by the world. 
John says here, greater is he that is in you, the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world, the devil. Let us also notice John's distinction between the kingdom of God and the gathering of all non-believers referred to collectively as the world. This is such a vital concept. We must understand it as Christians. It's a technical term, the world. It means all the anti-Christian, Satan-inspired forces opposed to the gospel. And so there are only really two divisions amongst mankind. Those who are in the kingdom of God and those who are in the world. We must always keep this vital distinction in view. The Lord Jesus Christ declared to his disciples in John 15 and verse 18, If the world hates you, Know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. That is the lot of the Christian, to be hated by the world. They hated our Lord before they ever hated us. We are not of this world. If we try and conform to this world, we are dishonouring God. Now, what often happens is that churches try to conform to the world, arguing it's an opening for the gospel. But Satan, you see, is a subtle enemy. He works in the churches. And so we must not use worldly philosophy to entice believers to come and hear the gospel. The gospel stands on its own merits. It does not need any help from the world. At the beginning of this chapter 4, John says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now, John is rejoicing that those to whom he writes have not been led astray. That they have in fact overcome the false prophets. But many others are deceived. But through the indwelling spirit... These believers have perceived the truth of God's word 
and have remained faithful to it. But to remain faithful, they have had to go against the spirit of the age. They have refused to be deceived by the attractive philosophies of this world. And for many first century Christians, the alluring philosophy was that produced by the prevailing Greek culture of the day with its many false gods. We have to ask ourselves, have we seen through and overcome the satanic false teaching which is engulfing the churches in our own day? Some of the worst and most dangerous attacks upon Christian truth emanate from those who call themselves Christians. And so many are thereby deceived. Ye are of God, little children, in this verse 4, we are told, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thankfully, as we have stated, those to whom John writes have not succumbed. The power of the Spirit dwelling within them has given them perception and the power not to be intimidated by mainstream philosophies. But this does not mean that they do not need to exercise ongoing vigilance and caution regarding the philosophies of this world. And this is why we have to be so careful when we pick up a newspaper or turn on the radio or the television because these are Satan's instruments without any shadow of doubt. That's not an exaggeration, just to sound all dramatic. The television, ever since the late 50s, early 60s, has been incessantly corrupting people's minds two or three nights a week with an anti-Christian worldview. When the BBC was first founded, it was founded with God-honouring objectives. Bush House in the centre of London, in the Strand, you go into it, you see scripture texts carved in stone on the wall. But that same institution today is a thoroughly anti-Christian institution. And so we must maintain a separation. Now, yes, of course, we need to buy a newspaper now and again, see what's happening. We need to be well informed, but we have to realise that what we are picking up is 
an instrument of satanic propaganda. And we must not foolishly think that because the government says something or because the government says our scientists advise us that this is what must happen, that therefore we should accept it. Because the government is part of the problem. It consists of people who are blinded by Satan. There are very few born-again Christians in high places. We must understand that those whom the world calls experts may be doing Satan's bidding. Someone can have a string of degrees after his name, but be doing Satan's bidding. What matters is which experts one listens to. The experts are telling us we're in the middle of a climate change crisis. When in reality, God has always been in control of the climate. The climate has always been fluctuating in many different ways throughout human history. But you see, those with power want more power. And the climate change crisis is a marvellous method of obtaining more power, controlling people's lives in an anti-Christian manner. We must understand what we are up against. We carefully need to think through all issues in the light of Scripture. Each new generation has to fight its fresh battles because the truth is always under attack. Colossians 2, verse 8. Colossians 2, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you, ravage you, through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We have to have the discernment to see through all those buzzwords that the world uses. Equality, inclusiveness, diversity. They're all a front for an anti-Christian worldview. Even in New Testament times, the gospel was already being undermined by fashionable man-made ideas. Today, vast numbers of churches have allowed the anti-Christian spirit of secular humanism to dictate their agenda. The doctrines of cultural Marxism and of globalisation, namely we solve all problems by the world coming together, are vigorously pursued by our politicians, the media the education system, and all our major national institutions, including big business and the major corporations. They are all into it. And their emphasis is continually 
on LGBT issues, climate change, the West's endless guilt and horrible history, its responsibility for all the world's problems, the need for worldwide control and oversight of people's health. Our government is quite happy to hand the decision about another lockdown over to the World Health Organization. So this foreign international body could decree whether or not we can go to church. Now, we cannot allow that to happen because God commands us to meet with one another. And if someone's sick, they stay at home. End of issue. The world is acting as if we've never had a virus before. And governments are not the solution to all our problems. That's idolatry. That's the mark of the beast. But what is the most tragic of all is that all the Bible-rejecting philosophy is being embraced by so many churches. Paul, in his day, had to warn the elders of the Ephesian congregations. Acts 20, verse 29. Acts 20, verse 29. After my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And so the churches are going to be ravaged by grievous wolves. We have to be on our guard. Peter similarly warns, 2 Peter 2, verse 1. 2 Peter 2, 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily, using deception, shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And so we see that God's truth is constantly under attack. And that many who call themselves Christians are part of the problem. And so we had a young woman come up to us in Uxbridge on Friday saying, I come from a Christian family. And the Bible says that God demands that no one is judged. You must never say that any kind of behaviour is wrong. You must not call homosexuality sinful because that's judging people. And so this young woman thought that she was being Christian by condoning one of the fashionable sins of our day. That's how bad things are. 
Where did they get this idea? Jesus never judges anyone. It's not in the Bible. The Father has appointed the Son to be the judge of all flesh. Jesus Christ is a judge and he judges sinners. Verse 5. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. The false teachers, says John, are from the world. That's where they belong. They speak according to the anti-Christian spirit which is abroad in the world. And so we get Anglican bishops saying we must appeal to the culture of the day or else we shall become irrelevant. You see, they speak according to their origins and allegiance. The Satan-inspired philosophies of the Christ-rejecting majority. In the next chapter, verse 19, uh, John says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. The whole world lieth in the power of the evil one, of Satan. The world by its very nature is God-rejecting and under the devil's sway. People do not have to be taught to be non-Christians. They are so naturally. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, the Apostle Paul explains. If our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So every non-Christian is blinded by the devil, the God of this world. So Satan himself is behind the way the world thinks about the things of God. And so we are told in this verse 5, they are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world. The Greek there is literally from the world. That's their point of reference. They speak from the world's perspective. And all this error has come into the churches. And so people may talk about Jesus Christ, but they do so from a worldly perspective. He never judges anyone. He's inclusive. He embraces diversity. They are of the world, verse 5. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. The world heareth them. False teachers always gain a ready hearing 
in the world. Why is this church this morning not full of local people? Because we do not teach what the world says, that's why. You see, the false teachers tell the world what they want to hear. The false teachers encourage pride. Oh, I'm a basically good person because I support all these charities. And I believe in equality, inclusiveness, and embracing diversity. Therefore, I must be a good person. But that's the satanic wisdom of this world. Now, false teaching often experiences success. And where there is success, it is easy to argue that the success is proof of God's blessing. And so even greater pressure is put on those who adhere to the old paths to move with the times and to listen to the new message which God is supposedly delivering to the churches. The same applies, of course, to how we worship. Move with the times, become more attractive to the world. Adopt the world's cultural musical idioms and they'll come in and it's an opening for the gospel. You see how alluring it is. It's hard to find a church these days where there is reverent worship. And so, we must never fall into the temptation of trying to produce a message which the world wants to hear. Because if churches try to do that, they are actually doing Satan's work for him. That is how serious this issue is. Now, John is speaking here in the context of testing the spirits. How do we discern true teaching from false teaching? Well, as we have established, one of the primary ways is to realise that false teaching will usually be saying exactly what the world is also saying. So, for example, for decades now, there has been a powerful militant feminist movement in the world. How have the mainline churches responded to it? They have ordained women to teaching and leadership roles which scripture clearly confines to men. In 1992... When the Church of England passed the Ordination of Women measure, the statement was plainly made, and I will never forget this, the world will never forgive us if we do not do it. That is how the Church of England justified the unscriptural ordination of women. The world will not forgive us. If we do not do it. 
But since when is the church supposed to listen to the world before it acts? And so the world was made the yardstick of the church's teaching. And this is precisely what John means here. At the end of verse 5, the world heareth it. Now, conformity to the world is not, of course, simply a modern phenomenon in the churches. It has always been a problem, problem in apostolic times. Back in the 19th century, on the issue of evolution, most churches, not wanting to appear out of step with the scientific spirit of the age and Charles Darwin's writings, abandoned the historical integrity of the very foundation of Christian theology, namely the book of Genesis. Oh, it's just picture language, it's just symbolic. They weren't real 24-hour days. They were selling out to the world. Because the world does not want to believe that God created us. Because if he did, that makes people answerable to God. Now, coming back to our own time, one of the most fundamental of all issues, dealing with what we are as human beings, namely that we are male and female, and dealing with the constitution of the family and marriage, what is happening? Mainline churches are cravenly allowing the virulently anti-Christian spirit of the age to undermine the plain revelation of God in Scripture. And so society is now being taught, and the churches are not opposing it, that gender is fluid not fixed by Almighty God. Children are being wickedly told that they can change their gender if they wish to. This is God-rejecting madness. But it is also mainstream, respectable thinking. And many churches are giving way to it, not least the national church. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. You know, it's not hard to fill a church. We could soon fill this church, but not with the truth. False teaching, which gives men a greater liberty to sin in any area of conduct, that will not receive the world's opposition. And this is why churches find such false teaching so attractive. You see, if the churches adopt a more lenient approach to sin, it will make them appear more open-minded and compassionate and Jesus was compassionate God is love 
What can be wrong with emphasising the love of God? But you see, this is how Satan works on a subtle level. Sin is downplayed under the pretext that God is love. Now, God, of course, is love. But his love and mercy is for those who repent. It's not for those who do not repent. But false teaching can suddenly become deceptively enticing. As it is cleverly portrayed in Christian clothing. And this has always happened. In the early 20th century, communism was the voguish philosophy of the day, particularly in the universities. And so what did the churches do? Many of them embraced a socialist message about reforming society and improving the lot of the working classes and so forth. And the emphasis became all on the material, not from saving the sinner from eternal wrath. So the social gospel, as it has become known, prevailed. But this was again conformity to the spirit of the age. And so there is this great temptation to bypass the whole issue of the judgment of God. That's negative. Do not speak about it. It will put people off. Let us rather speak about God's unconditional love for everyone. Please be very wary when Christians use that term, unconditional love. It's not biblical. Luke 13, verse 3. Jesus said, Except ye repent, a condition, ye shall all likewise perish. But it's a wonderful marketing term, that. God's unconditional love for everyone. It sounds so reasonable, so gracious, so compassionate. But it encourages the non-believer to carry on in his sinful lifestyle. The Lord Jesus Christ frequently denounced sin in the strongest possible terms. Let us also remember the warning in James 4 and verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That is how serious this issue is. If one is a friend of the world, one is the enemy of God. And so no one should be arguing, well, I want to be the world's friend in order to provide an opening for the gospel. No. That's not the biblical method. 
And so what do we see today? Churches conforming to the world. Another way they do this is by a great emphasis upon the pursuit of human rights. Human rights. In other words, man is at the centre of everything. Not God. What about God's rights? Now, what non-believer is going to object to the maintenance of his rights? Everyone wants their rights. And so, we see this temptation to the churches to focus on a materialistic message of abolishing poverty, creating social equality and upholding people's rights. Well, in biblical teaching, we do not have any rights before the Holy God. We are miserable sinners. We have no rights. But you see this temptation to embrace a man-pleasing message. And so the heretical social gospel has always carried this strong appeal. It is a complete lie, however, that if you give people housing, welfare benefits, education, health care and social equality, then you will inevitably get good people. No. You're still left with sinners. The welfare state has not produced good people. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ produces transformed people. You see, the world is always ignoring the depravity of the human heart. What we want to do is not encourage people to assert their rights, but to come to an end of a trust in themselves. God is looking for a broken and a contrite heart, not someone who's asserting their rights. The true gospel is about calling sinners to repentance. It declares the rights of almighty God over his creatures. And it is these rights that the world is not so keen on hearing about. So John is telling us here that false teaching is discerned by its conformity to the world's perspective. They speak of the world. They speak from the world's viewpoint. So this is one of the hallmarks of false teaching. If the church is saying what the world is saying. One commentator says this on verse 5 here concerning Satan. He takes advantage of whatever may be the world's mood at the time. He is great in his power and skill to master and manage from age to age the world's ever-changing fits and fashions. And this is often the case in the churches. And so the churches themselves can be used by Satan to produce an anti-Christian worldview. 
That is how subtle the devil is. So this is what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, we've reached that stage. You tell people marriage is only between a man and a woman. They can't endure to hear that. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And so another fable we have to deal with is how do you bring peace to the world? How do you stop there being wars? And the answer to that, in the world's way of thinking, is one world togetherness. A move towards worldwide government. Lots of international cooperation. But the Tower of Babel teaches us in the Bible that whenever the peoples of the world get together, it's against God. And so worldwide cooperation is not the answer. The reason you have wars is because people have sinful hearts. That's why there is war. And the only way to deal with the sinful heart is to preach the gospel. In Mark 7 and verse 7, the Lord says, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now, he's talking about professing believers there. He denounces them. They engage in worship, but they are using God's name to promote man-made thinking. Verse 6. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The word error there can also be rendered deception, seduction. We must be on our guard against wolves who appear in sheep's clothing. We must not believe things just because all the mainstream media are telling us that it's true. We must not believe that. We need a separation from the world. We do not need any new insights from the world to help us proclaim the Christian gospel. What we need is to confront the world and all its false ideas. So we detect the false teacher by his rejection of gospel fundamentals, such as the wrath of God upon sin and the need for a substitute to bear that wrath in the sinner's place. You see, the people of the world always want to save themselves, but you can only be saved through another who represented you, who is without sin. 
We detect false teaching by a conformity to the fashions of the day, by a willingness to please men. Now John here commends the believers for not being overcome by the spirit of the age, for standing firm as truth is attacked. So may God help us to overcome the false teachers and alluring philosophies of our own time. May the Lord help us to be discerning, to discern the spirit of truth from the spirit of satanic error. O Lord, help us to keep the world out of the church. Amen.